Welcome, 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 geeks and nerds, girls and boys, to a brand new edition of Geek to Me Radio. Tonight we've got actor Jackie Vinay on talking about her brand new movie, The Surprise Visit. We'll later on in the hour be talking with award-winning composer Kevin Kiner about scoring James Gunn's upcoming Peacemaker series on HBO Max. All that and more. Stand by. We're talking TV, comics and movies, and video games. Driving around the greater St. Louis area tonight, hearing us on the Big 550 KTRS. Thank you very much for tuning in. If you're streaming us out there in the world, listening online, hello to you. And of course, if you're hearing this on YouTube, Facebook, Twitch, Instagram, wherever you might be seeing this, or after the fact in the podcast form, thank you very much for subscribing and listening there each week. Uh, we've got my first guest, Jackie. Did I pronounce it right? Is it Jackie Vinay? Yes, exactly. That, good. Okay, right. I was. I didn't know if it was Venet or Veni or how is it, is is it is it French? Yes, it's French. Perfect. Uh, je parle un peu de français aussi. Uh, if you want to do the interview in French. No, you know I don't oh. speak any French. Okay, all right. Just making sure. I want to be you to be comfortable. Give you the option. <laughs> um, so yeah, with uh, with the new movie, the surprise visit. We actually had Eric Roberts on the show before. The guy is in literally everything, and <laughs> you've worked with some great talent. Uh, but how was it working with Eric? Oh, it was great. He uh, he does have this very old classic Hollywood vibe that just kind of oozes off of him. <laughs> Even in his like smile, it's just like ding. Like he's very classic Hollywood. So it was really cool just being around someone who you know has just experienced so much. The surprise visit, a uh, thriller to be sure. It's uh, how does it feel playing the bad guy? Because I, I always feel like actors who play the bad guy say that's the best role to play. It's it's fun to be the hero occasionally, but playing the villain and it's such a such a uh, visceral kind of a film. How did you find playing this character? I absolutely loved it. I mean, it's really great playing someone who's really different from you. I play a meth addict, and um, it's definitely nothing that I've done before, definitely nothing I think anyone would assume of me. Um, So it's really fun to get gritty, play something dirty. But I wouldn't necessarily call her the villain, but ah, actually, that's why the character was so fun, is it bounces back and forth quite a bit. And having that dichotomy, kind of playing that gray area then uh is that something when you when you read for it did you kind of uh, were you surprised by how the story moved along and the character's development or was this kind of uh, talk a little bit about well start let's start talk about getting the role auditioning for the part and getting the part talk about because i love hearing the audition process mm-hmm. we did a lot of tapes because we shot this one during covid mm. so it was all online it was all you know videotapes and um it was 
it was intense. The scenes were very intense. They chose the most intense scenes and then like the chemistry between the characters had to be very important. And it was just trying to be in that state. It was it's very high stakes. So it was a grueling audition process that kind of took a lot out of me. There were like a lot of tears, a lot of frantic movements. It, it's it's people dealing with incredibly difficult, horrible situations. And on top of that, being super drugged out. Mm -hmm. So, but actually the writing kind of evolved. So some of the stuff that was happening in the auditions complete took a complete 360, especially for my Mm. character, Annabelle, Annabelle, different from what we filmed. So that was super interesting. When a plot and the writing kind of evolved like that, do you, do you know, was that a kind of a uh, product of what you were bringing to the character as they were kind of shooting parts of it, were they kind of like, well, no, actually, this would be more fun to take it. Did it just kind of evolved naturally or kind of how did that occur? Yeah, it evolved naturally. I remember working with Nick Lyon, the director, and I was like, we just were sort of fell in step on the same page. We were like, Annabelle didn't really seem like she would do this. And he's like, yeah, we should try this. And I was like, yeah, let's try this. And I think honestly, it had to do with the casting of who we ca- like what I was bringing to it. I was like, I I, I was taking Annabelle somewhere else, and mm-hmm. I think it worked re- well with the story. And we kind of just trusted our instincts and went with it, which was really awesome that we had the opportunity to do that. Definitely, that's always I think uh, when you find yourself kind of evolving as an actor, and you kind of see the script evolving right alongside you, that's kind of a very cool thing to be uh, be part of. Yes, and I love improvisation. That's my favorite thing to do. And going with the flow is also really fun in acting world. And when you don't have something so rigid, because sometimes there are big productions that need to stick specifically to things. So with indie films, sometimes with cool directors and not necessarily just cool, but when the direction is okay and when the story is all right to do so and the situation calls for it, you get a little time to play with magic and that's what we did yeah i often feel that when you when you see something uh there you'll see something you kind of wonder was that all scripted or is that kind of and that's some of the best acting is you don't know if that was an improvisation moment or if it was a scripted moment and it's it's kind of interesting to see now that we've got the behind the scenes glimpse to see what part you brought to it and what part was in the script originally that's a very fascinating aspect of acting I know. I love thinking that. I love watching bloopers and being like, hmm, I wonder if that was scripted because it's just so good. You watch someone like Daniel Day-Lewis and you're like, there's no way that was scripted, right? And then you find out it is and you're like, okay, well, obviously I need to go back to the drawing boards and make it seem because you should be able to take these lines and really that's the point. Do it super, super like it is improv. Um, but then you work with actors that never say the same thing twice. Hmm. So it is it is magical when you get to do that, but it's also magical when you find that natural improvisation in the same line. Some of the projects you've done, I know you've been under a very tight deadline. It was a very quick film like Fear Street, for example. If I'm not mistaken, I think you said before that that was a very tight turnaround time. There wasn't a lot of room to improv stuff. It was get in there, get the shot and move on. Yes. And that actually kind of makes it fun when you do improv. It makes it so much more risky but it makes it really fun and exciting for the actor because you're being a little bit rebellious and you're like okay there's 50 people in this room watching they're counting on this shot but what if I just throw in a little bit of a curveball and see what happens it's a risk like people like am I gonna screw up the shot put us behind but sometimes you just got to take that artistic leap if it's really something you feel in your heart 
It's always easier to ask for forgiveness than for permission, right? <laughs> yes, yes. Oh my gosh, yes. And but I know sometimes, yeah. No, go no ahead. I, I was gonna say, I know you started out in theater, and that's uh, so. How much how much improv did you study when you were training and and uh, kind of working your way up to where you are now? Um, it's definitely where I found my roots and found home in was improv. Improv. I did a lot of commedia dell'arte. And in high school, we'd write our own shows. We would direct our own shows at these like 30 people, maybe even 20 people theaters that would have shows at midnight. And this was during high school. So I'd just go from show to show to show and get home at like 2 a.m. And we would improv these shows. Um, Sometimes we'd have a basis outline, like a basic, and then sometimes we'd just go loose and I'm sure some of those shows were god awful (laughs) there's probably like two people there but we did not care and it was it's it's just so fun I love it and that would be at the time too when people are videoing all these things from their phones so if there's probably records of the bad ones out there readily available if we weren't really oh my god (laughs) I hope not I hope not I remember I played this character that was like a 90-year-old lady who had these detachable saggy boobs and they were made <laughs> they're sandbags. And I remember that I invited the guy who I wanted to ask me to prom to see the show. And now I'm looking back and I'm like, what was I thinking? You were probably but... thinking that if he liked you as a 90-year-old woman, he'd probably like you for yourself. That's probably where that maybe the thought process was. I'm just guessing <laughs> i guess i just like didn't 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 realize didn't care i don't but, think he asked me oh after all that <laughs> see, that's, after all that it's a disappointing story now i'm sorry we brought it up i feel bad <laughs> no, but okay. talking about comedy too and you've done uh, in 2021 i don't want to say it's been a great year for you it's not been a great year for people and, and you're, professionally you've had some of these a string of movies come out you between uh, fear street uh when today ends and then surprise visit and you've kind of ticked off a lot of the genre boxes. you've got horror with fear street uh drama with when today ends and then thriller now with the surprise visit and you're working mm-hmm. on if i'm not mistaken uh comedy it might already be done in post-production maybe before uh, uh before future boy oh um that is uh, finished. I don't okay. know if it's come out on any platforms yet, but I was just finished wrapping Minx, which is for HBO, which is also comedy. I have a small part in that, but it definitely is comedy, which is great. So, so do you have like? It feels like you've covered a lot of the a lot of the genres now in just this short period of time. Do you have one like you mentioned? Obviously, your love of improv, which would lend itself a little bit more to comedy. Do you have a role or a genre in which you really feel is your wheelhouse? Um, you know, I don't actually. And I think that's kind of the beautiful thing about it is I have no idea what I'm doing, what's happening. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just along for the ride. I'm like, sure. Thank you. Of course. <laughs> I'm, I'll give it my best go. And it keeps going well. So, um, I'm going to keep finding more things that hopefully I want to do like a true adaptation once and be mm-hmm. able to study someone and actually try and do a, yeah, an adaptation. That'd be great. I know the surprise visit is is based on a true story, based on actual events. Uh, yes. But it's not actually, obviously, a, you know, you're not playing a actual person, a historical figure. Is that kind yeah. of what you're talking about? Exactly. This is a true adaptation. So I did mis- misspoke there, but um, which is my dream to do that. So I have done that. But I do want to play, like, let's say, yeah, a historical figure, someone that I can study. I didn't study this lady as much as I created my own 
person mm-hmm. to better fit the story that we wrote. Is there they a historical wrote, figure, like someone you can think of off the top of your head, like I, I'd love to be able to play Anne Boleyn or I'd love to play, you know, Emily Dickinson or anyone pop out in your mind? Two people. Um, Julia Butterfly Hill. I'd love to play her. They haven't done a movie about her, but I would really want to do that, which is the woman who lived in a redwood tree in 1999 for two years. Okay. And then I'd like Audrey Hepburn would be amazing. Uh, yes. We just yeah. watched Charade with Audrey Hepburn and Cary Grant. My wife had mm-hmm. not seen it yet, so we watched that. It's one of my favorite movies. Mm. Yeah, you- she's magical. Do you have, when you were growing up and decided acting was what you wanted to do, did you have someone who would kind of inspired you, an, an actor, actress at all who inspired you? Oh, man, there were just so many. I remember a specific moment watching Pride and Prejudice and seeing the, the newer one with Keira Knightley. Mm-hmm. And I was blown away by that production of the film and just where it took me. And I really loved what she did with Elizabeth and I loved Jane Austen. And so... I just I, I I loved Keira Knightley in that. And I also then followed her into uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah. So maybe her. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be <laughs> I can see where she <laughs> maybe her. Yeah, be pretty <laughs> high on most people's one. list, I would think. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We're talking again. If you're just now tuning in, we're talking with Jackie Vinay about her role in the surprise visit, her acting career in general. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. You're OK to hang out with us for just a few more minutes. Yeah. Perfect. We're going to take a quick commercial break. We're going to come right back. Chat more with Jackie Vinay. Please stand by. Hi, this is Karen Sony, and you're listening to me on Geek to Me Radio. Lucky you. Don't call it a comeback. We are back live on Geek to Me Radio. I'm your host, James Enstall. I want to make sure we tell you about our official movie sponsor, Marcus Theaters. Go to the website, marcustheaters.com. You can find the location of the Marcus Theaters or Movie Tavern closest to you. If you've not yet gone to see Spider-Man No Way Home, I'm telling you right now, Joey and I were talking about it before we went on air, and it's hands down not only my favorite Spider-Man movie, my favorite comic book movie. This is really one you need to get out and see in IMAX or wherever you can go see it on the big screen. Uh, the Marcus Theaters or Movie Tavern location closest to you can be easily found through their website. Uh, a lot of good movies coming out right now. This is the great time to go see movies. And if you want to get out and see one, maybe you're kind of nervous, you can rent a private theater at Marcus Theaters. Starting at $99, you and 20 of your closest friends can go see a movie, pick out the movie, book it all right there through the website. And, of course, make sure you enroll in the magical movie rewards program that gives you points for buying your snow caps, your gummy bears, your Twizzlers, your popcorn, and your movie tickets. And then you use those points to go buy more concessions and see more movies. It's a great time to go see movies, and nobody does it better than Marcus Theaters. Once again, MarcusTheaters.com is the website. Find the location closest to you. Check out movie reviews and more right there. MarcusTheaters.com for the best movie-going experience in the galaxy. Speaking of movies, we are chatting with our guest, Jackie Vinay, about her movie, The Surprise Visit. Um, it's always fun to talk to actors. We talked a little bit about some behind-the-scenes stuff about how you improv your character Going back to Fear Street, I know that was a kind of a period piece. And going back to the 70s, talk a little bit about recreating the 70s and kind of getting into that time frame as an actor. Yeah, no, every it was super easy on that set because everything was just draped in this 70s vibe. The costume I got was absolutely phenomenal and how they did my hair and makeup. I also just kind of live and breathe that vibe sometimes 
anyway in my life. So I was definitely just felt like everything was meant to be. And I was just very groovy and in that <laughs> in that headspace anyway. So I just kind of like floated on to set. I didn't have much time and I just kind of made home there, which was really amazing. Is it, So that's that's like the music of the genre when you said you're usually in that vibe or is it just kind of that laid back 70s type of vibe what, what, when you inhabit that space? Um, I would say that character um, was just kind of I I didn't have much time to I didn't have time to read the books. I didn't have time to base my character off anything except the description when mm-hmm. she was just this hippie. And I was like, I'm just I just brought so much of myself to that character. And so many people who know me. Like my sister texted me after she saw Fear Street and was like, "You didn't act; you just played yourself." <laughs> That's the best kind of role, like, though, isn't it? You just you're kind of yourself in the role. That's great. Yeah, so that was definitely one that I just I just felt at home in. And I know I think if I'm not mistaken, you said that was a quick turnaround too between auditioning for it, getting the part, going out there, and just knocking it out. Uh, you mentioned it was kind of a grueling process. It was kind of a, almost uh, you poured so much of your soul into getting the part for. Um, a surprise visit and was it was it one of those where I I would think as an actor you're putting that much into the audition you're like I better get this role if I don't get this role (laughs) that had a little little bit of you in in that I would think yeah I mean always I always have that feeling and usually for the roles that I get I like for the surprise visit I had a feeling I would get it in in the when I got the first callback, I was like, hmm, I have a good feeling about this. And I wasn't that worried. And for Fear Street, I sent in one tape. I maybe did two takes, one, two takes. And I didn't think about it again and got hired, not even a callback, six hmm. months later. Oh, wow. So it was very strange. That hiring was very strange. But um for the surprise visit, sent it in next day, call back, next day, call back, next day, chemistry read. So they're always different. And in this industry, in the film industry, you just got to be on your toes and open to anything. There are no rules. And I would especially think during COVID, there's no more uh, in-person auditioning at all going on at everything's video, which I would think you, you're, you're losing out on that chemistry read per se because you're doing it over Zoom. So that's obviously mm-hmm. changing things up as well. Have you adapted very well to the new circumstances? Yes, I actually like it a lot. Oh, okay. um, I think because I got to be able to move from L.A. a bit, I kind of spend half my time there now and I spend half my time in Lake Tahoe, which I really like. And because being in L.A. full time as an actor can wear and tear you if you're not living in the Hollywood, if you're not living it up in Malibu or yeah. the Palisades. Like if you don't, if you're, if you're not making million dollar budgets yet on Avengers, it can be hard <laughs> to live in your little studio apartment, especially during times of COVID when you need to isolate. And sometimes as artists like myself, I need to, I need to be in a cave. I need to get secluded. Yeah. I mean, no one to see me. I need to be alone and it's hard to be alone in big cities. And especially now that you mentioned that, too, with social media, um, that's one of the things people always feel like we're never alone. There's always social media because I feel like I, I'm on social media more than I should be. Rahul Kohli has said he's addicted to Twitter. It's one of those things where you can't you almost need to be in a cave, but also with no devices around a cave with no yes. Wi-Fi is the perfect example, I guess. <laughs> oh, my God. It's so true. I'm addicted to the scroll, too. I get in these phases, so I'll just delete it off my phone. 
for like, right. and sometimes, but sometimes I'll do it and I'll forget about it for like a month and I go back and I'll have lost 500, a thousand followers hmm. and my manager will be like, Hey, like you should be posting more. And I'm just like, yeah, probably. And <laughs> so it's like this balance, but sometimes you just got to take the mental health priority and it doesn't really matter yeah. for posting, yeah. but sometimes I love it. Like I love interacting with my fans on Instagram. It's one of my favorite things to do. I love it so much. And I love posting my art and sharing what I'm doing. Um, but man, I'm addicted to that scroll. Yeah. I can't stop. <laughs> it's so bad. Yeah, it's it can be quite addictive. The algorithm, I think they they purposely push stuff out that we're interested in. I'll, oh, I'll just look at that oh, one, yeah. then I'll be done, you know. But that's oh, yeah. Rough. And it's stuff that doesn't make me feel good, too. Sometimes if I'm, like, in a good zone, it'll be, like, cats. And it'll just be cats or cute animals. But then sometimes it'll just be, like, news that I don't want to see or just things. I'm like, I, I don't, I don't want to be involved in this. But I can't stop. So is it, is it mostly Instagram? Do you, uh, we should, while we're talking, let's go ahead and give out your social media handles, uh, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Yes. I'm just mainly on Instagram. Okay. So you can follow me at Jackie with three J's. So it's at JJJCQI. One of my fans stole my Jackie, Jackie Vinay account. They just took that. And I was oh like, my gosh. I should have, <laughs> I mean, not that it matters, but I, I just thought about it. I was like, I probably should have snagged that. <laughs> <laughs> before but whatever <laughs> but it's nice you have fans that are willing they're so dedicated they're willing to steal your accounts that that you know look at it in the positive way right <laughs> well they didn't steal the account they just like have the good handle oh it's i see it's just simple jackie they beat, you, they beat you to the punch they took that and i was like i probably should have should, that should probably be mine but they can have it because i love them <laughs> And is it something you mentioned your managers like you should post more? Do, do Is it a Hollywood thing now where managers and agents are encouraging people to get on social media and push stuff? Because I know that's one of the things that draws people to especially indie movies uh, like The Surprise Visit is if this person has this many social media followers. This person has this many Twitter followers. Everyone talk about the movie and get a buzz for it. It kind of saves the I guess the advertising budget for the film. Or is it just kind of do it at your will, do it as your leisure? I think that it's a that's a good point. Um, it does, you know, it's great marketing tool, the best. Um, it's also good because I can be my own boss on it in the, in the sense that if I want to create and I, and I create my own project, I can promote that. If I'm working on something or working with a foundation, I can promote that and talk to people directly. It gives mm. me direct control over the narrative that's going on, which is brilliant and amazing. Um, I am lucky that my team doesn't really care that much about it. Um, and I think that you should always just do what you feel is best for your mental health, regardless of what anybody else is saying, if it's good for your career, if it's whatever, because there are people that do just fine without it. Yeah. So many famous people do not have it. <laughs> Jennifer Lawrence. Pete Davidson, there's so many people that are not on social media, be, you know, just because they don't want to and you'll do fine without it. So it's just each to their own. In looking at your IMDb page, I noticed you didn't have anything under trivia other than your nickname is Jax. What is something that if we were to open up your IMDb page right now, put in a trivia fact, what's something that someone may not know about you that's a good Jackie Venne trivia fact? Oh my God, a good. Um, I used to be the best toad catcher 
on the street growing up, <laughs> I was specialized in catching toads. We had a huge pond on our street, and I was like the best at catching these huge slippery toads. So there you have it. Now, I got to ask, was this a contest? You were the best at it. Was Were all the kids on the street out there trying to catch them or? Um, no, I think that <laughs> I just love frogs. I love okay. frogs and I love the toads. So I just did it and it became like a thing. All right. We'll see. We'll, have to, we'll add that to the trivia page. Go. That's perfect. <laughs> yeah. And while we're still talking, we've got a few minutes left. I want to play. We always, with our celebrities, we play a game called Celebrity This or That, where there's no right or wrong answer. I simply ask you to choose between two things and you tell me which one you like better. So if I were to okay. say cats or dogs. I'm going to go with cats. Cats. What about uh, dark chocolate or milk chocolate? Dark chocolate. How about gum or mints? Gum. And <laughs> when it comes to peanut butter, chunky or smooth? Oh, smooth. Ew, I don't like chunky. <laughs> <laughs> We're on the same page there. That's good. And then finally, DC Comics or Marvel Comics? Mm, I'm not as... I've never actually read the comics as much as I would like to, but so I would say based on the movies, I'm going to go with Marvel. Marvel. Have you binged a lot of the shows? Everyone's been locked down during quarantine and everything like that. Have you, is, is Marvel something you binge or has it been other stuff? True crime documentaries? What do you binge? Oh my gosh. You're... I've been binging Witcher. Oh yeah. On Netflix. Absolutely. Yeah. It's so good. That show got me. It's so good. Yeah, that's that's Love one it. of the great things about the streaming services. At least we had those during lockdown. To uh, oh for yeah, to <laughs> thank God. I'm going to recommend too. We, we just started Succession. If you haven't seen that yet on HBO Max, really good show. It's like Game of Thrones for the corporate world. Oh so, wow, yeah. that sounds you you sold it to me. Right. That sounds very intriguing. See HBO Max, if you're watching this right now, you should be hiring me to do your pitches for you. See, I just got her <laughs> attached, so this is great. You did. Very simple. Don't give me the long thing. Just a couple words. Boom. Right. Just the slogan. Hit him with that, and that's all you need. Mm-hmm. And, of course, the surprise visit, you can catch that. It'll be in theaters as well. It's also on video on demand. Um, mm-hmm. So it's very exciting. We should definitely encourage you to check that. I think it's January 14th, I think, is the release date. That is correct. And you can catch that. You can catch uh, and Fear Street, obviously, 1978 is still on Netflix as well. You can check Jackie out in that. Other than that, I know we talked a little bit about before Future Boy. Any other projects you want to plug or promote while we've got you? Um, I just finished my first writing directing project that I also starred in. It's on YouTube that you can find through my Instagram of Patrick Droney's song Glitter that I'm super excited about. We got into a film festival and then you can also catch my appearance in the upcoming HBO show Minx coming, I think, this spring. Very cool. Uh, this has been an absolute delight to talk to you. I appreciate your time coming on here on a Sunday night. Uh, Jackie Vinay, continued success to you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I had a blast. Thank you. Be well. Uh, you too. Thank you. There she goes. We're going to take another quick commercial break. We're going to come right back. Chatting with composer Kevin Kiner. Please stand by. Hey, this is Dave Desmalchin. You're listening to Geek to Me Radio. We are back. Geek to Me Radio live on the big 550 KTRS. I'm your host, James Enstall. Before we go to our next guest, I want to make sure we tell you about our comic book sponsor. Brand new sponsor on the show. We're delighted to have Bugs Comics and Games coming on board as a new show sponsor this month. 
uh, Bugs Comics and Games in O'Fallon. If you go to their Facebook page, give them a like there. That'll make them very happy. They'll always want to see people interacting with, and they're very quick to respond to. If you have a question about something you've seen in their store, uh, they'll quickly reply to you like, yeah, here's what we've got. Uh, you can go to their website, of course, Bugs Comics and Games, and join their Avengers Discount Club. You pick out a character, any comic book character. It doesn't have to be an Avenger. It could be Death from Sandman. Uh, it could be you know anyone from the Image Universe, whatever you want. They give you an Avengers identity card. You start earning points towards discounts on your future comics. So if you're looking to save some money with the price of everything going up, this would be a great time to save some money on your comic books, back issues, toys, games, supplies, and everything else by joining the Avengers Club. Larry Quiggins has been around the comic book scene for quite a while. His collection would make Stan Lee blush. Uh, he knows everything. If you want to come in and you've got a friend who wants to get into comics or maybe your son or your daughter want to find a starting point, he's going to be able to help you out, let you know what you need. It's like having a concierge comic book service right there. Once again, the website, bugscomicsandgames.com. And of course, give the Facebook page a like. Very proud to have them as our official comic book sponsor in the new year. We just heard the voice. He was in Suicide Squad, David S. Melchin, as the polka dot man. And the man giving us the music behind Peacemaker, the spinoff. We've got Kevin Kiner on the show with us again. Kevin, thanks for your time tonight. Hey, it's great to be here. How are you? Doing well. The last time we had you on was back in 2020 to talk about scoring the season finale, series finale of Clone Wars. Uh, right. You've stayed so busy then, obviously. Doom Patrol, Titans, and everything else you've been working on. And now... Yeah working on the peacemaker with james gunn uh did you uh, was this a collaboration i mean obviously you're kind of in that dc world with everything else was it something that james gunn heard your work on and brought and said hey we'd like you to do this too how did the getting involved with the project come about i really don't know i got a call and i was delighted to be a part of it uh you know i'm co-writing it with clint mansell as as i do uh um, Doom Patrol and Titans, and uh, I, you know, I think um, I think there was a connection there as well. I, I'm really not sure. <laughs> Just you're going to go with it, though. It doesn't matter, right? <laughs> yeah. So obviously, this is uh, we talked a little bit before about how you're kind of in this world. I don't think I asked you because I listened to my last interview when we had you on. I don't think I asked you. Were you a comic book guy growing up? Um. I I was a, a superhero guy. I I I I didn't read comic books. Uh, my brother did. My my mom didn't allow us to have comic books. So hmm. instead of Playboys between the mattresses, <laughs> he had comic books. Um, and I didn't have comic books. I won't say what I had. But uh, <laughs> you had the Playboys, I guess. <laughs> maybe I don't know. Or, uh, <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, so, but I mean, I remember, you know, climbing the walls, pretending I was Spider-Man. I, I mean, I was just huge into Superman and Batman. I was even, I mean, I was of the age when the Batman series with Adam West was really happening. And I, I would wait, like, you know, religiously till the next same Bat time, same Bat channel <laughs> came on, you know. And I was super into that. Um so, yeah, I, I was a big superhero fan. And then working on, obviously, Doom Patrol and Titans, um, it's not necessarily you have to be familiar with the characters because it's just kind of like you're hearing the story and you're giving them their theme song, I assume, based on their looks, based on the, what's going on in the story. So talk a little bit about finding the sound for Peacemaker. 
Well, um, you know, as you know, James Gunn is is really well versed in music, and it's a big part of whatever he does. Mm. Um, and kind of so, whereas you have with Guardians of the Galaxy, you have that soundtrack taking place, you know, seventies music. This is kind of late eighties, early nineties hair metal was the uh, model for Peacemaker, <laughs> and I don't know if you've if you've have you seen the show, but uh, yet have, have you seen had a screener of it? I have not yet. No. Yeah. Well, the the opening titles are like some of the greatest opening titles in the history of television. Wow. Or film. Yeah, it's just so <laughs> awesome, um, and and you know, there's just a lot of great bands that you know clint was really well versed in like these bands like hanoi rocks and cinderella yeah. and wigwam and uh nashville pussy and the poodles and the choir boys and uh, all that all of that um and so that was part of the model i think that the tough part is is figuring out well you know in, in the same way that that guardians would use the songs, the way that the soundtrack songs, the score wasn't necessarily based on those songs, you know? Mm -hmm. So um, finding a voice for the score was a little tricky at first, um, but it was definitely informed and continues to be informed by eighties hair metal. And, and there's, there's definitely drums, but there's orchestra in it as well because it's score, you know? So it's, it's a hybrid score. Um, Sometimes it rocks really ridiculously. I mean, I'm a guitar player. I grew up in Led Zeppelin. Um, you know, that was just my thing. You know, even Black Sabbath was, uh, yeah. was huge into that. Um, so at the beginning of that, and really all of it, it's just all kind of a, an evolution of that, really. And you go into hair metal. I mean, it, it was different, but it was an evolution of what uh, Black Sabbath and, and, uh, Led Zeppelin and even Yes or all those bands were doing back then. And I know you mentioned James Gunn having such a uh, musical knowledge himself. Uh, in in ways, Guardians of the Galaxy movies, the soundtrack was almost an extra character in the movie, uh, the way yeah. it comes in and everything like that. Did he have, how, how closely did he want to collaborate with you and Clint on the uh, the score? Or did he kind of say, you know what, I trust you guys, do your thing and kind of pretty much be hands off? Um, he wasn't hands off for sure. Uh, I mean, he, he has, he has really, really astute musical opinions. Um, so, uh, but he, he did give us the freedom to come up with what we thought was the sound for the show, you know, and, and it, it worked straight away. I mean, our first submission, um, and part of our first admission really will be on the soundtrack that's being released on the 18th. Um, you know, he was really into like the theme. He was really into the theme. Um, the theme is like unabashedly melodic. Mm-hmm. You know, there was, I think that's part of what we took away from, you know, what was happening back then in the late eighties and stuff was, was you could, you could be super, super melodic and it wasn't, you know, it, it was it was part of the way that music was. You know, it was stylized. It was earnest and ridiculous, and yet it was stylized and unhinged, kind of. Yeah. And yet, it was really cool. You know, and um, I think there's an enthusiasm 
and a sincerity in that kind of music that that we tapped into and we weren't afraid to to you know be that way you know but so that was that's kind of cool because i mean peacemaker is such i mean the character and the banter and the the sense of humor you know it, it, they just go for it yeah. they they just like it he and and we were given the freedom to just go for it too and i i, I think it shows in the score and i i talked to my brother he called me and asked me and i was playing guitar on a cue and i said this is like christmas <laughs> i was having so much damn fun it it was just absolutely a blast and it's got to be obviously vastly different, no less fun than working on like the Bad Batch, which was just uh, just out this year too. Um, I would think musically, when you're scoring it, different set of rules in a way because you're doing kind of this is the Star Wars universe. This is, yeah. as you said, based on '80s and '90s, you know, metal and things like that. So it's obviously a yeah. different sound. But when you approach it as a composer. Is it a different sensibility that you're taking into Peacemaker versus when you're working on, you know, the Bad Batch or Rebels or anything like that? Completely, absolutely, completely different. And, you know, I mean, it's one of the things that I pride myself on is is being able to step into different roles and to be a, a different composer at different times. You know, um, I've been doing this for 38 years mm. now and... I would have burned out, I think, if I wasn't allowed to, I, you know, yeah. to to do all these different projects that are that are so varied in their sonic la- landscape, also so varied in in their sensibility of how you how you handle how you approach the drama. Um, but I, I mean, so for instance, like the emotional stuff in Peacemaker is almost always handled with a guitar, hmm. usually an electric guitar. You know, and there's the pianos are not allowed. Oh, you know, yeah. I mean, not by anybody's. There, there was no like dictum that came down or anything like that. It, it was just that's how we're gonna do it. I, I just, you know, and Clint decided that that is that's just how it's gonna be. And working on this, did you did you go back? Did did you get out and see Suicide Squad like in the theater when it came out? How many times yeah, did a, you watch? We got it? a screener of it before it came out. And then how many times did you end up watching it to kind of like? Because there's uh, obviously Peacemaker features very heavily in this. Those of you who haven't seen it yet, spoilers. Yeah. Um, but he's obviously a big part of this. You got a sense of who he is and what yeah. the series will be like. How much of that? music was informed by what you saw there versus obviously we're going to see different aspects of Peacemaker in the series. How much of it was informed by the new stuff we're going to see? I would say most of it's informed by the new stuff. Uh, He takes an emotional journey uh, throughout this show, um, both in, in his relationships and in who he is that James pointed out to us a lot. And he's really big on giving us that kind of direction. So that's not a specific musical direction at all, really. Hmm. He's talking about the character. And I really appreciate that when a, when a director gives me that, he doesn't, doesn't say, Oh, here's, here's a piano thing. I really like a guitar thing. I really like, He, he starts to tell the story. He starts to get in depth with really what's going inside this character's head, what kind of journey he's going to be taking, the the you know who he is, and and the path that he's on, 
And that really informed the music quite a lot. It sounds like, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think everything I've heard of James Gunn, he's a, a dream to work with and work for. But it sounds like just him coming in so informed, knowing these characters as well as he does, it made it almost sounds like it made your job easier than it, than it may be on other projects. Not that it's ever easy to score a project, but I'm saying you would think with the information he brought to you, you're like, oh, you know what? I know exactly what to do. Um, I, I would say a lot of that is true. Uh, it was intimidating and daunting for, you know, a split second, just like it was intimidating to, you know, write Star Wars for George Lucas yeah, when he, sure. he first. But, uh, you know, I always use sports analogies, you know, and if you're if you're up to it, you actually you you do better when the when the pressure's on. And um, I, I feel like it really helped me step up and. um he is a dream to work for. It's, it's you know, knock on wood, it's like one of the smoothest shows I've ever worked on. I, I mean, uh, it it's so ironic that I'll have some of these throughout the course of my career years ago, these these problem uh, projects that give me so much trouble, and then I come to James Gunn with a, you know, great, great, unbelievable fantastic project and it goes so smoothly it's yeah. it's uh it's really really gratifying when that happens man and for those of you just now maybe tuning in we're talking with composer kevin kiner about scoring the peacemaker series which will be on hbo max here very shortly uh, we're gonna take a quick commercial break kevin you're okay to stick with us for a few minutes yo for sure perfect we're gonna take our next commercial break we're gonna come right back and chat more with kevin kiner please stand by Hey guys, this is Michael Rooker, and uh, you're listening to Geek to Me Radio. Have a good time. We are back. Want to make sure we tell you about our premier sponsor, the City of St. Charles, the Greater St. Charles Convention and Visitors Bureau. Just wrapped up their 47th season of Christmas traditions out there in St. Charles, the largest and longest running Christmas festival in the entire country. Uh, good time was had by all. There's always something going on in St. Charles, though. If you're wanting to get out and find some new restaurants you haven't had before, if you were looking for a gift, maybe you've got a birthday or an anniversary coming up, you want to get a unique gift idea, shopping and dining experiences in St. Charles that you won't find anywhere else. Uh, if you're from out of town and maybe you're wanting to get out in the new year, your resolution was to go visit someplace new. St. Charles is a great place to visit. Every time you get to go, any time of year, doesn't matter. Plan your trip, as we always recommend doing, by starting at the website discoverstcharles.com. That's discoverstcharles.com. You can find whether or not you're wanting to maybe camp, uh, if you're looking maybe not in the winter, but maybe you might want to in the winter. You never know. Otherwise, they've got uh, world-class hotels with first-class accommodations, bed and breakfast you can stay at, all sorts of things like that. You can plan your trip at the website discoverstcharles.com. Get out there. If you're in the greater St. Louis area and haven't had a chance to go over there yet, cocktails at Tompkins House, great barbecue at Salt and Smoke, all right there along Main Street. There's always something happening, and it's never a bad time to visit. Once again, that website, discoverstcharles.com. As we always say here, it's an historically 
good time. We're talking with Kevin Kiner, award-winning composer, all about his work scoring Peacemaker on HBO Max, coming up here very quickly for you to be able to check out. Uh, Joey V, my executive producer, and I were talking off-air, Kevin, and during the break there, we talked about uh, all the awards you've won and the, the multiple Emmy Award nominations you've gotten. Is When award season comes out, obviously I feel like actors are under pressure. As a composer, do you ever feel any kind of pressure when award season rolls around or is it just another day for you? Well, I wouldn't call it just another day. Um, I, I try to, I, you know, I'm not on social media. Um, I, I try to keep my mind away from those kind of things, you know, and those kind of pressures. Those are uh, things are, that are out of my control. Um, I, I am aware that you know when the Emmy nominations come up and when the Annie nominations come up, I was not aware this time when I won the Annie and I'd been nominated for like five Annies I think and so the first time I won, I was I didn't know because of COVID <laughs> it was that the the ceremony was happening they had you they had me tape my acceptance speech which I felt very uncomfortable doing because I thought oh I'm going to lose again anyhow so but I had to do that and send it into them so I was actually at the beach I, I surf and I was just getting you know I was just getting my board out and, and about to get in the water and my uh, assistant texted me that I'd won an Annie and I'm like oh great and I went out and got some waves so I was a little oblivious I guess but but now I've got it sitting right on my piano and I, I uh, look at it every morning when I practice it kind of kind of reminds me of the uh, four-year consideration, the Christopher Guest movie, where the guy who actually wins at the end slept through the whole thing, didn't realize he won it all. It's just kind of <laughs> a, a, something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love those. I love all those movies. Obviously, it's great to be, uh, you know, nominated and obviously to win. But some of the stuff you've done, I mean, we talked last time we had you on the show about the great projects you've been involved in. I mean, it, it, from an outsider standpoint, it would seem like just working on these things would be an award in and of itself, getting to work on all this stuff, Star Trek, Star Wars, the DC stuff, mm -hmm. all the stuff you've worked on is incredible. Yeah. yeah I mean, it, it is a dream. I, 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 you know, my first dramatic series back in the eighties was, um, the adventures of Superboy. Yeah. And that was with the Salkinds and they had just done the Christopher Reeves movies, you know? And, um, and, and so it, that was, you know, it was fantastic because Superman was a huge deal for me. Um, so, yeah, the, and, and now I come back on Titans and we have a different version of Superboy. <laughs> but, you, you know, it, those people in the know might find a similarity to the theme that I wrote in the 80s ah. when, you, when you see him on Titans. Uh, you know, I had to put a nugget like that <laughs> in there, I think. Um, but yeah, I mean, even James Bond, because I did uh, GoldenEye, yes. uh, the game, and um, Bond Legends. Um, so it, it, even to score Batman and Titans, I mean, it's just freaking great, you know? Right. And, and, and um, you know, then Doom Patrol is just an absolute dream of a, of a show to work on. Um, obviously, Peacemaker is, is just out of this world i mean it, you know and um it's just been great experiences just really really great experiences um i'm i'm very blessed 
and I've got to ask you about your website. It's a gorgeous website, and if you click on the instruments tab on your website, it's all these you know, these great stringed instruments. Are these instruments that you personally have in your collection, or are they just ones that you're familiar, you know how to play all these instruments? What was the, oh, uh, no. how did you, how are those up there? Those are all mine, wow. and I use, I, I use them. I mean, like when I did Jane the Virgin, or when I was working on Narcos, or I, I have a new show called um, Promised Land on ABC, and I'm, I'm using those, like the Hammer Dulcimer, and the uh, the Appalachian dulcimer, and I mean, I mean, I'm using all these things you see in back yeah. of the uh, stringed instruments. I I play them every day on those shows. Wow, that's, that's an incredible incredible collection. There's obviously they got to be kept in good working shape, but I just was floored by the beauty of some of these. Some of them I I'd, I'd never even heard of. It was amazing to see these. Uh huh. Yeah. I I mean I I think as I know a lot of composers, and, and we're, we're all really keen to find something unique, you know. So whether that be using Middle Eastern instruments, you know, like in Narcos or, or on Hell on Wheels. when I love that show. It was so fun to do, you know. And we, I, I bowed these Middle Eastern instruments and that, that are not supposed to be bowed, but I mm. use a cello bow on them and stuff. And, um, you know, just to, because we're just going for something that, that – people haven't heard before and something that that will maybe evoke in that in that case it was the west you know building the railroads in the 1800s um but not be a banjo you know so right. we're always going for, yeah so those instruments on my website i i need to update it because i've got about a hundred more than oh my gosh on there. <laughs> I'm not exaggerating. It's wow. my wife. When I, she won't even let me go to a guitar store anymore. <laughs> you come back with. So I guess people don't know what to buy you for Christmas either. Probably it's like he probably already has one of these. I'll just say we, my daughter moved to Austin, Texas, and I came back with three guitars. Oh my so. gosh! Wow, <laughs> that's an impressive collection. I think that's that. Yeah, like I said, the website itself is gorgeous. Um, we are wrapping up. Unfortunately, this hour has flown by. Uh, we've just got about another 30 seconds or so. You said you're not much on social media. I know your website, kevinkiner.com. We'll put a link to that in the show notes. Is that the best way for people to keep up with you then? Yeah. Yeah, that's the best way to find out what I'm doing. Kevinkiner.com. And again, congratulations on Peacemaker. Uh, the yep. Bad Batch was brilliant. And I hopefully we can have you back on for Peacemaker Season 2. Right on. Very cool. Thanks right again on. for your time. Great. Thank you, James. Be well. There he okay, goes. Kevin you, Kiner, multi-award winning composer. Uh, like I said, if you've heard anything recently, you've heard his work. Obviously, we mentioned Bad Batch, uh, the games he mentioned. He'd worked on all this incredible projects. Uh, and of course, Peacemaker coming out on HBO Max. If you haven't gotten your HBO Max subscription, that's a great reason to go ahead and get it right there. That's going to do it for us. Another show in the books. Max on Movies is up next with his worst and best films of 2021. Thank you, as always, to Joey V for making this show sound as good as it does and putting me on video so you all can see me there. It's his fault you're happy to see me. I'm sorry. Until next week, my friends. Good night.
Hey kids, are your parents about to buy you a shiny new toy from Amazon? Hi, I'm Chucky. Wanna play? <laughs> well, don't be selfish. Share some of that money with us. Before going on Amazon, make sure to type in bit.ly slash geek to me in the web browser. It will look just like Amazon.com, except it'll say referral geek to me radio up top. And then when you check out, a tiny percentage will go to support the show without costing you one cent more. So before your parents get you that gizmo, gadget, or widget, make sure they type in bit.ly slash geek to me in the web browser. Bit.ly slash geek to me. Bit.ly slash geek to me.